Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, I come in a little bit late, but it was good that I did because the two brains of comedy got to be on together and share their magical sources, their magical ingredients together for the first 10 minutes of the show. We have Devin on from Social Fluency where he teaches people about high status humor. And today he is going to also teach you about high status humor, how to sweep women off of their feet by being funny. I'm saying that with a question mark and you'll understand why soon. So keep listening. of the Ask Women podcast. We're so glad for you to be back with us after all these years. It's turned into many, many, many years now, and we keep finding amazing guests to have on. Of course, you have your amazing host, Kristen Carney, along with Marnie Kinris usually, but Marnie is not with us at the moment. She should be with us soon. But we have David. Oh, I always... Why do I have to say Davin? There's no reason to say Davin. I've done this way too long. <laughs> this Davin. is not even a name. Magical name. <laughs> but I like that name. I'm going to name my first child Davin. <laughs> Be my great honor. <laughs> yes. We have Devin O'Brien Ash, who's a social life coach on with us today, who is going to talk to us about some of the things that I like to talk to people about, because it's always what Marnie wants to talk about. But Devin likes to talk about humor and being charming and that well-rounded guy. I mean, Marnie likes that too, but not as much as Devin and I. So we are going to get into that today. Hey, Devin, thanks for chilling with me for a few. Yeah. You know, what's funny is when I first saw your name, I was like, oh, is it a Kirsten, a Christen, a Karsten? Definitely Christ. So, so many variations of uh, Kristen. Yeah, I know. But there's no variations of Devin. Devin Not is many. Devin. No. No. But there are a lot of different spellings, which is like a showdown every time I meet another, like an I-N or a U-N. Ugh, those are to, annoying. I have to take them out. Yeah. Let's yeah. find the parents of those people and take them out. Yeah, have a chat. Out. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Is this now, this is more of like an ask woman scenario than an ask women scenario? Well, it could be ask women if you feel like, Doing a little transitioning a little today. Yeah. yeah, a little crossover, change it up. <laughs> Although you are very masculine, so that would be a very... No, I'm in touch with my feminine side. I can get there. Big job. I yeah. can get there. So you were saying before we were recording that what you do is not straight up relationship coach. Like I said, when I introduced you, I said social life coach. And the way yeah. you described it was awesome. And so I'm going to let you describe what you do to our audience because. I'll probably say Devon or something and do something stupid again. So I can handle that. Tell us what you do. Sure. I mean, I guess the way I see life is everything revolves around relationships in one way or another. Which is why I have no life. Yeah. Well, even <laughs> the online relationships that we have eventually have to move offline. There needs to be this moment where 
you meet up for drinks with the person that you've been working a deal out with over email and you finally like, you know, get there and, or, you know, certainly with dating, that's a big factor and friendships. You can't have a pen pal forever and never meet. That would be a heartbreaking story. So everything eventually comes to the real world. And my belief is that by training yourself and becoming more aware of the kind of rules of engagement around relationships and around social skills, you can increase the likelihood of success in all those areas. So social fluency is the name of my company. And I think that sums it up really well. It's social fluency for your dating life and your romantic relationships. It's social fluency for your business life, regardless of what you do, whether it's tech or sales or customer service, you're going to be interacting with people at some point. Even if you're a programmer, I've worked with lots of people in the tech industry. And the ones who are super successful, the ones who are able to elevate themselves through their connections. And then just your general social life. I mean, like our longevity extends when we have a solid social circle. You know, it's the number one and number two thing that are going to determine how long you live are your close personal relationships as your number two and your number one is your casual, you know, like tertiary and beyond relationships with just random people. How you interact with the barista has a huge impact on how long you live. Interesting. I think I'm caught right in the middle because social groups, not my thing, chatting up the barista, totally my thing. So Mm. maybe 78, 80, maybe I'll be right on on par. As a woman, you'll probably live longer than me regardless. But but yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's, that's, uh, I'd say social groups, like, is that something that you genuinely struggle with? Like having like, like groups of friends? I don't know if I would say struggle with. It's something I don't enjoy. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's just not my thing. I'm an introvert extrovert. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Groups of friends scare me. If I see a group of friends sitting in a park, all laughing and enjoying each other, I'm like, what mental illness is this? They all (laughs) want to be together right now. And they're all smiling. Like, What's Uh, wrong with these people? I have a much more kind of comedic, introverted, cynical take when it comes to groups of people. But the thing is... That's funny. I'm very social. Yeah, yeah. I just want limits to my socialness. You sound like my wife. Do I? You sound like my wife. She is amazing in social situations. So funny, so playful. Everyone loves her. When she doesn't come to like an event that I go to... Everyone's, you know, like, oh, we're Steph, we're Steph. Yeah. But she burns out so quick. She she kind of has to put on a show and then she goes home and she's just like, boosh, on the couch. Yes, that's exactly me. Well, it's funny too, because you're a comedian. So you stand on stage, you have confidence when you're interacting with potentially hundreds of people and you're great one-on-one. And so it's that middle middle ground. And in fact, I would say... That's where most of my work is, is helping people with the middle ground. Yeah. And working with... The middle ground to be tricky. Yeah, like kind of like three to 10 people in that range. Yeah. And I've heard things like Robin Williams. He was obviously mm. a master on stage and right. could be in front of thousands of people. And then all of a sudden he's alone with three or four and he doesn't know how to converse. Right. He didn't 
know how to say anything that made sense in that moment. And he would kind of buckle. And so there are personalities like that. And I think a lot of our listeners probably can relate because, you Mm -hmm. know, they're outgoing. They're looking to improve themselves. They're looking for the right one. Yeah. They're trying to build a life around themselves that's a full life. Yeah. But a lot of them are computer programmers or IT guys, and they may not be the social butterfly. So that is an area where they could be lacking. Yeah, absolutely. Looks like we just got Marnie on. So Marnie is back with us, unfortunately, but (laughs) she probably has a few things to add to what Devin and I are saying. So we're glad Marnie's here. Well, actually, you guys are the funny ones. I am naturally funny. You guys have honed and owned your skills. So I feel like you have much more to contribute to this conversation. Honed and owned. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I am putting that in my pocket. I have an address for my skills. That's how much I own them. So I apologize. What have I missed in the conversation? Because again, you're both super funny and are going to teach people how to be funny. Well, I don't know if it was... That funny. I mean, I was about to say, for me, Devin was hilarious. No, I feel like one of the things that is kind of counterintuitive to some people is the thought that it's going to be funny all the time. And what I have found to be a truly like sexy sense of humor is about 20% of the time you're funny. Yes. Yeah. I've talked about that. I think actually on one of the last podcasts, you did that I was on, I compare it to like a heart monitor. The ups are the moments you should be funny. So when it goes boop and it hits that far point, that's when you can be funny. But then you come back down. You mm-hmm. don't want to be funny the entire time because it's it's like having a heart attack. It's like, just, right. hey, it's just too much and you're going to flatline eventually. It's incredibly unattractive too because what it speaks to is this underlying need for approval rather than just a enjoyment of the moment and there's these mm-hmm. opportunities and these, as you say, these kind of ups and downs and these kind of points that you can experience. If you're just always trying to, it's almost like you're trying to entertain people. Yeah. You know, which has a different intention entirely. Definitely. And I've worked with men that have said, I feel like I'm putting on a show or I feel like I'm not really myself. And I've had to explain to them, I'm not trying to make anyone into a comedian. That's not the goal. And your goal is to not entertain her and show up with like a straw hat and a cane and be like, like, that's not at all what we're going for. It's quite a look. (laughs) Wait, so what is the goal that you're going for? We're going for a well-rounded conversation that has points that are fun and enjoyable, but also points that are anchoring real and that you yeah. can connect on yeah. and have a real human exactly. experience empathy yeah. and connection and yeah yeah and i think the intention that i personally do for myself and i try to get the guys that i work with to bring in is i want to have a good time myself i want to entertain myself i'm going to when i make a joke it's to have like a pleasant experience with this person for myself and if she laughs or again, I don't just do dating. So it's like, if they laugh, if the person that they're interacting with laughs, it's more of like, I made a joke that makes me laugh. And if they laugh, it's this litmus test 
to see if they're a good fit. And so I think of humor as this kind of like a code system where if the jokes, and I really don't tell jokes or do jokes, that's not the frame, but if like the kind of moment of humor lights the other person up as well, then I'm like, oh, okay, this person's part of my tribe. This person, we're like on the same kind of wavelength. So I have a question. How do you sort of figure out what your humor is? So I'm only asking this questions from the point of view of so many guys that I've worked with who are so stuck in their head and so afraid to speak, right? But I'm sure that they have moments in their lives with other people who aren't women where they're, you know, a little bit more free. Like, how do you start to form this kind of humor and see what, not as appropriate, but like, where do you start when developing humor? So I think the intention, first and foremost, is really freeing. So having that right viewpoint to start is really important. And then what I like to do is I like to create the type of humor that I teach is called high status humor. Mm -hmm. So I like to create in my mind. jokes. (laughs) That's all I teach. No, it's not high brow. It's not high brow humor. (laughs) It's definitely lots of poop related jokes. All right, perfect. But keep going. But it's high status. It's like the dynamic is the person in this scenario myself is going to position myself as the high status person in the dynamic and then create humorous angles from that perspective versus what a lot of people do is they make low status humor. They tell jokes. Like they have a joke that they're going to tell and that's bad. That's really bad. It's so painful. It is Let me so- tell you a joke. I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. It's like, can I read you my poem? No, 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 no. So the mindset needs to be high status. Low status is where you're making yourself the butt of the joke all the time, which there is a time and a place for. So low status people, are your listeners very familiar with the concept of status? Is this something that you talk about? Are your listeners low status people or are they high <laughs> no, status people? No, are they familiar with the, the matrix that is status? I would think they are, but if you want to give a quick refresher, that sure, would okay. definitely be appreciated. So status is essentially your relative position in a hierarchy. If you are near the top of the hierarchy, you have more access to resources, you have more access to social opportunities, safety, things like that. Now, we live in this mega tribe where we're all relatively safe and we all have relatively good access to water and food and these sorts of things. But low status people don't have the same social opportunities. High status people have massive social opportunities. And those social opportunities often equal better dating, mating opportunities. They equal more money, more experiences. So we're all status seeking beings. Everyone is. Now, I want to hang out with high status people, regardless of my physical attraction to them, because those people run in higher status circles. So we're all sort of jockeying to move ourselves up the status hierarchy. Now, men specifically, men specifically have this thing called the male dominance hierarchy. And this is where men position each other relative to each other and create a a hierarchy. And then women, like yourselves, would select the highest status male that you could get access to. So you can think about it like kind of a pyramid. 
the guys at the top have massive access to many high quality women. The guys near the bottom, almost zero access to any women. And this is why I don't remember the exact numbers, but half of men don't have any kids. And the other half of men have two kids and women on average have one kid. So the guys at the top, they get basically access to two women and the guys at the bottom get access to no women. Ah, oh, interesting. I was like, how does that? Okay, but no, but that's interesting. Yeah, so essentially men are constantly jockeying for this position in the status hierarchy. And humor, when used properly, is one of the best ways to increase your status because you can do it playfully. You always have an out. You know, if you make a joke that's a little too far with someone, you can always like just totally drop it and say, hey, I feel like I went too far. Genuine apology. You can really like, and it's actually an opportunity to raise your status even further if you're able to comfortably and naturally make a genuine apology. It's a very high status thing to be able to do. Uh, You don't want to do it too often, but when it's appropriate, you want to be able to. So kind of going off on a bunch of tangents here, but high status humor is the kind of humor that confident men and women, but we're speaking specifically to men here, confident men naturally just do. They just can't help but do it because they know they're near the top of this male dominance hierarchy. They're not too worried about risking saying something that's inappropriate because they know that they're high up in this dominance hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that people who are higher up can get away with more in humor? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. They can get away with more. They naturally tease people. They naturally mess with people. If any of your listeners have ever had the experience where they, and it's rare because it takes a certain level of confidence to even go this way, but if you're hanging out with your boss at like, you know, the company picnic or some kind of, you know, not super business dynamic, but you know, you're out for drinks with the team or whatever, and you effectively tease them, suddenly there's a dynamic shift and your boss treats you with a new level of respect moving forward. There's just like a new dynamic created. So that's basically the boss being like, oh, I see that you internally have this high status belief about yourself. I'm going to start massaging that into your future trajectory. So that first kind of split is really important. There's low status humor where you make fun of yourself all the time because you fear risking offending someone who's higher status than you. Yeah. And then high status humor where you're not afraid of risking that. And then I mentioned earlier that it can be a high status thing to kind of do self-deprecating humor at the right time. It's like, it's this beautiful thing that if you're comfortable making fun of other people, and then after a little bit of that, you make fun of yourself, you amplify your status even further because it shows that you're not just some dick who's making fun of people all the time. You're just playful and you're having a good time and it's not personal and you can take it. And when some, you kind of make fun of yourself and then maybe someone else makes fun of you and then you laugh, it's like this dominant, non-threatening energy. And that is really what people are attracted to. Absolutely. So understanding that frame, I think, is important, which is if I'm making fun of myself all the time, I may be making people laugh, but I'm not making them attracted to me. It's not a sexy sense of humor. It's kind of like 
Christian and I were talking about at the beginning. It's like you're entertaining people. You're heart attack entertainment. You're just always on. And it's, I mean, honestly, my perception of it, and you guys check in how you feel about it. But when a guy is just making jokes the whole time, it's a huge turnoff. You know, it's just like, ugh. Mm -hmm. I feel sad for like, after the third joke like that, then something triggers in me where I'm like, I should feel sad for you, right? Like I have to take care of you in a way. There's something that, I guess for better terms, like the beta term that people use. Like that's how I would view somebody like that. Exactly. It also depends on the type of person. You know, if we had someone on, like who did we have on a long time ago? He's a comedian that you loved, but then you ended up dating your husband. (laughs) Oh, Jay Larson? Jay Larson. So Jay Larson, he's the kind of guy, he's a comedian, professional comedian. He tells stories. He's hilarious. He walks in the room stops. He's got charisma coming out the yin-yang. And it's funny, 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 funny. And of course, he can go to real places. But there's certain people like him that he shows his status, his high status, through that constant level of funny. But because that's who he is. That's his entire identity. And he goes to an extreme. He never is self-deprecating. He's always like, boom, 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 boom on you, like teasing you in some way. This doesn't right. actually feel really nice to be around, but there's something high status about it. But he's the kind of guy who walks into a restaurant and he like, if there's a bowl of fruit at the front desk, which I don't know how often there's a bowl of fruit, but you know, what I mean? <laughs> like he'll grab the banana and be like, hello, like he'll in front of everybody and just do this whole show for them. So that's appealing on a different level. No pun intended. But also not as a constant. If you were to be around that 24-7. Oh, I missed the joke. What? You said appealing. 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 See? There. But that was low value humor right there. (laughs) I just stepped into some low brow or low level humor or status humor so that our audience could benefit from hearing an example it's yeah. great, of, yeah. Of low status humor. Way to yeah. throw yourself uh, in front of the Under trap. The bus. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but so, how do people start doing this? Like, I know that's a that's a very loaded, large question, but I'm just trying to think of somebody who isn't naturally funny. Like, Christian teaches all the time about associations, right? And I feel like that is the basis. But you still have to kind of have some sort of humor to see those associations in a funny way. So I'd like to jump in here for one second. So I can't remember exactly what you asked, Evan, to start the conversation. But when you did, I wanted to say something about this. Oh, you were saying, where do they start? And so where I believe it starts is in a guttural level, is on a guttural level. So I do an exercise with the guys that I work with and I give them whatever topic. And I say, give me immediately the first thing that comes to mind. I don't want any sort of overthinking. What does this person want to hear? What is your first initial guttural reaction? So if I say bowling, no trying to make it, oh, it's okay. You know, if like, if a girl wanted to go there, whatever it is <laughs> that you nice. actually feel in that moment, that's where you begin with your humor because humor comes from truth. And so you have to get in touch with your truth before you can get in touch with your humor. So making guttural reactions as an exercise for, I don't know, an hour when you go outside, if you're going to Starbucks or something, 
look at everything and judge it. And we're taught as a society not to judge. And we're told that it's a bad thing. And making assumptions, it's a bad thing. We always hear the phrase, assume and you make an ass out of you and me. But when you're looking to develop your sense of humor, you need to make judgments and you need to make assumptions in order to go somewhere with it. So if you don't have an opinion or a point of view, it's going to be really hard to tease someone about X, yeah. Y, and Z. So 100%. that's where I always say it starts. It starts in the gut. I love that. I love that too. And I personally, that's where a lot of the funniest things that I've kind of said in, in the moment come from is just like this instant response that I don't even really understand what I'm getting at. And then I realize that there's a, almost like a subconscious part of me that saw the humor that was coming. So I like that a lot. Right. And so sometimes, you know, it takes some honing because your guttural reaction can sometimes be maybe offensive or off-putting. I personally, as a human being, I'm not worried about offending or offensiveness. I know how to walk that line or what the guardrails are when I'm in society. But when men are learning humor, they don't really know exactly what's too much and what's pushing the boundaries and what's offensive. And so that's why I, I recommend working with someone so that they can start to feel what it feels like when they're on and when they're pushing it too far socially because there is social intelligence that's involved in comedy. And it involves knowing where the setting is. For example, Devin was saying, if you're at a company picnic or something, you can still make jokes there. You're just not going to make the jokes that you're going to make at nighttime with your buddies when you're playing poker and smoking a cigar. Right. So you have to take into consideration, obviously, the world around you. But I do stress not being too worried about what someone's going to find offensive. Because most likely, you're not going to say something crazy offensive and then end up plastered all over Twitter and then canceled. Unless you're naturally like, should be in the KKK, then, you know, maybe you should practice at home first before. And I do recommend practicing with someone like a professional or someone like me or Devin or something like that, just so they can get the wheels rolling. But again, you default to trusting yourself. And when you're trusting yourself, then you're able to be funny because if you're questioning yourself, you're going to be too in your head to be able to be funny or to have those highbrow witticisms. And I also don't like to say jokes. When I work with guys or on my website, I don't have anything that says like, I'll make you funny because my goal is not to make you funny. It's to make you smart and fast on your feet and witty and clever. Because I do think funny, like something like Jay Larson, someone like him, he's funny. He's yeah. the guy that's funny, you know? Capital and, F. Right. And so if you start wanting to just be that guy, that's not really who you are because you would have been him from the start. Right. No, I love that. That's great. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk to Devin about his approach for making people funny. So we will be right back, guys. 
Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and, of course, your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up today and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly, and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. So now that we're heading out of cuffing season, which is that season where women want the guy to keep them warm at night so they're a little bit more easygoing or flexible on who they'll date, you're going to need to step up your game. And part of stepping up your game is stepping up your banter game. So many times guys lose out on girls because they don't know how to be fun, witty, engaging, clever, while also being down to earth and creating a real connection. So if you don't want to lose out on the chick because you don't know how to communicate and you're just boring and flat, then take a couple banter sessions with me. I promise you, your dates will go through the roof. Not just because you're throwing them up there because you're so muscular, but the actual number count is going to go up, I promise. So go to kristenandchill.com, scroll down, click banter, and choose your package to get those banter skills in shape where this summer, it's gonna be a lot easier for you to get the girl. And if you email me at kristenandchill.com, I may even send you a discount code so you can get these world-class skills at a discounted price. That's kristenandchill.com. All right, we are back. So we have Devin from High Status Humor on with us. And we're going to talk about like, what's your method for making somebody funny or helping somebody become funny? Is it very similar to what Kristen's outlined? Or do you guys have a different approach? No, I mean, I really like... Kristen's approach. I think that's internal and then it like comes out naturally. Yeah, I'd say I have a slightly different approach, but I think we kind of meet in the middle somewhere. So high status humor to me is it's like an art and a science. So there's a there's like a technical element of it and understanding the kind of if this then that patterns is important. And seeing you know, I talked earlier about creating that high status dynamic. And it's funny because once you get into that high status dynamic, you see all these different 
routes you can take. It's kind of like being at the top of a hill and from up there, you can see different options. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot about creating that dynamic, seeing patterns. So, you know, one of the exercises that I have guys do is, you know, where do you normally meet people? Okay. You meet them in this environment or this environment or this environment or this neighborhood, or I like women who are kind of into this sort of thing or at a yoga class. And so I'm like, okay, you've got, you know, a specific type of person, you've got a specific type of location or a neighborhood. And then I'll say, break down five kind of assumptions that you would make about the worst version of someone in a yoga class. I just said the word assume. Yeah. And it's a big yeah. part of humor. So you just said... Exactly. You use exactly. assumptions. Yeah. Trying to make asses out of people here. So... <laughs> Get them punched. The mindset of like, what are the kind of expectations that you would have of like the worst version? You know, so I'm in Vancouver, Canada, and we've got, as everywhere does, we've got these little neighborhoods that have these different personalities and these different types of people. And we have East Van is kind of like the hipsters and... And so you can make a judgment about someone in that neighborhood. You can make judgments about people in the yoga kind of area that they're all super into granola. And so essentially you have all these things primed and they're in your brain and you're kind of waiting to deploy them. And you're going to deploy them from a high status position and you're going to do so in a very natural way. So you're not like, you're not just sitting there waiting and then being like, Bleh, and just blurting it out. You know, obviously there's a lot around delivery and how you hold yourself and your body language and also setting people up to kind of walk into these little kind of traps, essentially, you know, asking them what they're into, full well knowing that they're going to say yoga. And then when they say what they're into, even if they say they're not, even if they don't mention yoga, you could say something like, not yoga? You know, even that would make someone laugh in that neighborhood because they also know that that neighborhood's kind of known for that or tiny dogs or whatever it is. You know, there's all these different ways that you can prime yourself ready to go so that when the opportunities come up, you see them. And I think that's a big part of humor and something Kristen alluded to is just like seeing it, seeing all these things. You talk about feeling it in your gut. Like, what's that feeling? So I think like the two together where you're primed in your body to like react instinctually and you're primed kind of in your mind looking for these, these patterns, looking for these little flags that you can be like, gotcha, I see that. I love it. The main difference that I notice between people who are comedic or who can tell a joke or be funny versus people who aren't is that the other people are paying attention and they're not even paying attention on purpose. It's just the way their brain works. So, so I've talked about this before with a comedian where when you're talking to someone, your brain, and I'm sorry if I've already said this on the show, but it's like your brain is doing two things. So you're listening to the person but then you're also, it's like patting your belly and rubbing your head at the same time. 
So you're listening to the person, but your wheels are spinning going, where can I make a connection? Where can I make an association with what they're saying and humor? And so you're constantly paying attention to what they're saying. So you're really listening. So if you're talking to a comedian and then they say something funny, what that means is they're actually paying attention to what you're saying. And so most people go through their everyday life not really paying close attention, not looking at those fine details. Like some people would go, I mean, once you point it out to them, but some people might say, what do you mean there's small dogs in this neighborhood? And that's how little they've paid attention. But once you point out, look at all of these details that are there for you to work with, then they kind of go, oh, yeah, there's this detail and this detail. I can't remember what comedians it was, and I don't know why this is popping in my head, but they were like brothers, these comedians, but they were talking about a girl wearing stilettos in the airport. They're like, isn't travel hard enough? You got to add a stiletto (laughs) into it kind of thing. And so it's just paying attention. That's simply all it is. And then associating that. So they, in that joke, They just associated travel is hard and they associated walking in stilettos as hard. So you're just making these comparisons and these associations with one thing and another. But again, it comes from a truthful place. So if you're walking in the airport and you see a woman in stilettos, that, you know, if I was with a client or someone that I was working with, if we ever happened to travel together for whatever reason, I would want him to see that and I would want his gut to go, that's hard. You're making your judgment. And another way to say it, like my therapist years ago was like, here we go. You're not (laughs) judgmental. You're discerning. I'm like, bitch, I'm judgmental. Okay. (laughs) So that's a friendlier way to say, you know, judgmental, but you're discerning. So it's like, you're not letting things just go by without you having maybe an opinion on it or a say about it. And you don't need to say it to that person. It's not like the comedians walked up to that girl in the heels. They made the comment to their friend. Oh, but you're saying it to your friend. You're like, okay, isn't this hard enough? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. So it's not always making the joke at the person, of course, you know. No. It's commentary. And that's where humor becomes interesting too, which is kind of a great way to kind of get your mindset is... It's only funny when you say it out loud. It's only funny when you share it with someone. You know, if you just think it, it's like, okay, cool, whatever. But if you turn to someone, just some random person next to you, and you go, wow, like as if it's not hard enough to get around right now. So I think that's like a great mindset for guys is to, to consider the beauty of humor is sharing it. And it only really activates it when you share it. Yeah, I teach something called OCD. Observe construct, deliver. And each one of those is a necessary component. You have to be present. You know, you have to be aware of things around you. You have to see the opportunities wherever they are. Then you have to construct a, we're trying to avoid the word joke, but when you you construct a kind of a comedic moment in your mind that doesn't position you as a low status member of this interaction, and then delivery. So that's your body language. That's your vocal tonality. That's your, the way you kind of smirk or you keep it really serious, deadpan. And so each of those factors needs to be kind of honed and 
accounted for. I think the mindset of like humor is only humor when it's shared is like a relief because now you have a reason to point it out to people. And then again, the mindset is I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to make this goddamn it joke for me, not for the person I'm talking to. I'm going to do it for me. And if they like it, oh, hey, how's it going? Now there's, you know, maybe it's a new friend. But my intention is I'm going to enjoy this little moment. And if I don't say it out loud, then it's just this thing that happened and I didn't you know, bring it into reality. Yeah, I have so many moments where I'm like, oh God, that was so funny. And not that necessarily it was a joke that I thought of, or maybe it was a joke, but that I can't share it with anybody. I'm single, you know, and I'm doing a lot of stuff on my own and I'm seeing this and I'm seeing that. And I'm like, oh, and I want to write it down. And then I forget to write it down. And then it's just, it's wasted, but it's still there in the universe. And maybe someone else will happen upon that joke and get to use it and share it and create magic with it. But what would you say, since we do have an audience of all male daters or potential daters, people trying to date, how do they do this with a woman on a first date? I would say, one, get the first one in as early as possible. Yes, I agree. 100%. So create the frame that we're going to have some fun. Things that I say moving forward should be your mind should be looking to see if it's a joke. But then I'm not going to be funny the whole time, as we've already talked about. I'm not going to just be like bang, bang, bang jokes. But the earlier you can get one kind of into the mix, it creates a frame and everything you say is kind of painted with that brush moving forward. So that's important. I would say, ideally, you make them the butt of the first joke and then quickly on the next joke, make yourself the butt of the joke. And then, and I'm being very technical here, you don't have to follow this like word for word or step by step, but make them the first target, make yourself the second target, and then make the environment the third target. So you are, you know, showing that you're not scared of them. Then you're showing that you're not scared of making fun of yourself and kind of, you know, take yourself too seriously. And then being on the same team and targeting the environment, maybe you know, when you're people watching, you see something silly and you kind of comment on that or something just physically in the environment that's out of place and doesn't make sense. So I'd say that would be kind of the order that I would recommend men do it. It's bold, but then the second two are not at their expense and it just shows like a lightheartedness. And so there's different routes that you can take. Again, you want to take a high status position you can make kind of like a kind of a sexual innuendo joke, which would kind of position yourself as like the prize and she's lucky to be out with you. This is especially effective for guys that aren't classically good looking. Mm-hmm. This is really, really powerful and definitely creates this really fun dynamic because it also speaks to the fact that he's got to have other stuff going on for him if he's positioning himself as the prize. He's like a, an iceberg. You know, everything underneath is the power and you're just seeing the top. But it also kind of gives her a compliment in a way, kind of counterintuitively gives her a compliment, which is obviously you're a total babe. If I'm positioning myself as a prize and I'm out with you, then you must be a total babe. So it's kind of a, a fun dynamic to create. Again, it positions you as a high status person, but it sort of invites them up with you. You can do another one that I work with is like, 
the heartless bastard where you're just kind of a maniacal evil person and everything you say is with this frame of like world domination but you have to counterbalance it with a very positive and upbeat energy so that it kind of throws them off a little bit so so much of what i teach is formulaic meaning there is a step by step process that you just plug this and this and this and equals funny so one of the things that I teach people, which is one of my favorites to start with, is called U-Bag, which is the unsolicited bad advice guy. And essentially, you just give really bad advice to people. So whatever they're talking about, you just give them the worst advice. You backwards rationalize it with kind of weird logic that doesn't make sense. Like you should totally wear that skirt to the school tomorrow. Yeah. And almost like generally, I try to recommend that Whatever advice you give is going to either get them arrested, cause bodily damage, ruin their relationships with the rest of the community, just something quite extreme so that they kind of get that it's a joke. And then I also, I didn't mention it, but before all this, I usually set myself up as an authority. So I position myself as like, oh, I spent some time in Milan, you know, working in the fashion design industry. So I highly recommend you wear that skirt to the pool party, you know. So I'm going to position myself as an authority so that she actually takes my advice. Right. But when you're clearly not that actual authority, right? Well, in her mind, if, especially if this is a first date, she doesn't know. Maybe I did spend some time in Milan. And I like to do it, you know, just give you guys like kind of inside tricks here. I'll do it even more specific. I'll be like, oh, I spent some time in Milan. My uncle is huge in the fashion industry. And so I spent a few years kind of living with him after university and helping out with some of the projects that he was working on. So it's like this really weird specific thing. Then I give my one-legged uncle who unfortunately only gets he loves clothes so much but only gets half a pant. Only one pant leg. Yeah, yeah. But like I give this very specific kind of situation. I then I give this really bad advice, then I rationalize it and at some point she'll be like, "Are you just joke? Like what? are you just messing with me?" And then I'll be like, "Yeah, I'm messing with you." And she'll be like, do you have an uncle in Milan? And I'm like, no, no, none of it. Like, I don't know how far back I've been lying, but I've been lying a while here. Right, right, right. And so there's this feeling of being unbalanced. And that's really what you want to create with humor is this kind of like, whoa, I don't know where my feet are. I don't know what's going on here. And that's where a lot of attraction comes from too, is this being swept off your feet, being head over heels. So there needs to be a dynamic energy that's happening with you and the person you're interacting with. And humor is one of the easiest, most malleable ways to engage that. Totally. Oh, we're actually going to have to wrap up our show because we have another one starting at one o'clock. But Devin, this was amazing information. And Kristen, as always, this is amazing information. Devin's actually doing a masterclass for us. Remind me again, which month you were doing a masterclass? Uh, August. In August. Yes, last week in August. So he's going to teach all about how to sweep a woman off her feet using high status humor. So I am very excited to see and hear the full presentation that you're going to give, but I know it's going to be amazing. And Kristen, I'm sure if you want to join in as well, you can join in too and give your little comments. I'll take the day off. <laughs> give your little comments. <laughs> I love worthless. No, I think both of you have so much amazing information to share about this because for me, it's like I have a hard time breaking down humor. And because I feel like 
I did improv when I was younger. I was in acting. I feel like I've watched a lot of comedy. So it's been developed, but I don't actually know how it was developed. So the fact that both of you have broken it down in such a palatable way that's so easy for people to consume, I think is absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I love it. I think Kristen's got crazy insights. So I'm... Oh yeah, she's a... I'm very happy that... I didn't realize that this was going to be the the dynamic that there was going to be a freaking comedian on here. So Right, exactly. You're like, oh gosh. There isn't one. So sorry to do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it is. It was a surprise to me as well because I thought we were going to talk about approaching. So that was a fun surprise. So thanks for letting me stretch my banter legs for a few minutes. Oh, I enjoyed that. Awesome. Well, so if, they, if you, anybody wants to get in touch with Devin and do some work with him and his team, where do they go to? Yeah, socialfluency.com is the best place to kind of find me. And then hopefully I can give you some links of specific kind of channels that they should go. Yes. But socialfluency.com is my brand. It's me. And love to hear from your guys and, and reach out anytime. I love it. So make sure to mention either the Ask Women podcast or Marnie or Kristen so that Devin knows that you heard about it on our podcast. Thank you so much. And if anybody wants some banter lessons from Kristen, go to kristenandchill.com to sign up for her amazing banter sessions. And if anybody wants to, I don't know, just read my blog or find out more about me, go to winggirlmethod.com. I'm like, what do I do again? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you do it all, girl. I, I do it all. And for everything else, go to winggirlmethod.com. But new episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Please go and subscribe to our show and please share our show with other men who you think will also find value in the information that we share. You guys are awesome. We'll see you next week. 